Has your fuse box gone haywire? Is your water pressure too weak? Or maybe your boiler needs an upgrade? They don't last forever, you know. Well, the good news is that there's a local hero in Dublin for that. So if you're locked out on a Thursday and need a locksmith, take the hassle out of it with localheroes.ie. Our online service connects you with trusted tradespeople in your area and all work comes with a 12-month guarantee backed by Borgosh Energy. Try it out while listening to your podcast. You could get a quote in minutes at localheroes.ie. TNCs apply. Visit localheroes.ie for full details. Alive and kicking on News Talk with Benelin Day and Night Tablets. 24 hour cold and flu relief. Always read the label. Ask your pharmacist for advice. Yes, you can email the show alive and kicking at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Claire's Lair. Coming up this morning, Therese Coveney and her husband had two boys when their daughter April was born with Down syndrome. While they knew she would need extra supports, they pledged to make sure she had a life as close to her brothers as possible. Therese has just launched Together Academy to help turn around the quite shocking statistic that 90% of young adults with Down syndrome are not in paid employment. She joins me today to talk about a more inclusive society and how the All Blacks helped spread her message. I'll also be joined by Louise Carroll, a psychologist working for many years with youth-focused Jigsaw. She is also a music composer and bassist and vocalist with The Blizzards. Today she talks to me about therapy and why she decided to set up Prism Online Therapy, matching people to the right therapist based on need and expertise. And I'll be joined by Owen Hamilton to talk about Ireland's lesser-known hiking trails. So what kind of a health and wellness week did I have? Well, I have entered the COVID storm. Like many of you, I thought we had reached the light at the end of the tunnel and with a bit of common sense, a few masks and sanitizer pumps, we were golden. But the current situation in schools, the virus ripping through them, has meant my 10-year-old son has tested positive. Now, he is fine. He's not got much more than a blocked nose. And to be honest, He's quite chuffed that he's at home with Netflix and his switch rather than at school. We're living with my mum and she's just had it, so it's not a major concern. And so far, the rest of us have tested negative. So they are all the positives. But the big negative is that it's the first anniversary of my dad's death this weekend, which is hard to believe. And my sister was due to fly in from America, where she lives now, for a few days, something we all needed, and now she can't. COVID is like a ripple effect that just ruins plans, doesn't it? And reminds us that we're never really in control of what happens next. So I'm telling you this, not just because it's on brand with my health and wellness week. We are a walking statistic this week. But I don't want to be on just having a moan. You're all going through it or you have done. You don't need to hear more woes. But what I really wanted to say is that while I totally get it and I'm totally gutted I don't get to hug my sister this weekend of all weekends, I really wanted to focus on the good stuff that is happening throughout all of this. There is so much focus on the bad stuff and I know it's important that we hear of updated restrictions, industries calling for clarity and support, that we ask questions of the powers that be and that we are informed of the latest variants and the more headwreck to come. 
But with so much giving out and blame throwing, we're missing the amazing things that are going on. At the beginning, we were all out clapping and banging pots for frontline workers. Guess what? They're still dealing with it daily too. And as I left the test centre I went to during the week, I just welled up. It was two tents in a car park of an industrial estate and everyone working there was so warm and lovely. And they're there all day in the cold, meeting people who think they have COVID or more than likely have COVID. And they're smiling and helping and lots of them are doing it on a voluntary basis. So Don't forget the good stuff. Don't forget to check on people who are isolating or lying low, a little nervous. I know we're all fatigued and fed up, but there is so much good and opportunity for good through the toughest of times. You can email the show aliveandkicking at newstalk.com. Now, Louise Carroll is a psychologist. She worked for many years with the youth-focused Jigsaw. She's also a music composer and bassist and vocalist with the Blizzards. Today, she joins me to talk about therapy and why she decided to set up prison online therapy, matching people to the right therapist based on need and expertise. Hello, Louise. How are you? Hello, Claire. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Congratulations on setting up Prism Online. It's very exciting. Was it a bit of a, a lockdown project, a must do that you finally got round to? <laughs> uh, well, it, actually, it was not so much. It wasn't something that had been on my mind up until it was. It's exactly about a year ago that I first I was being so struck by daily requests from both from people I know, from, you know, friends of people I know, extended people and people I don't know at all, just, you know, sending me messages in, in a variety of different capacities, looking for a good recommendation of a good therapist. And it was happening at least once a day. And I, I genuinely obviously ran out of people that I could suggest that I personally know, either through my own therapy, my own supervision, um, and, and would always feel so precarious about suggesting somebody that I had no you know one-to-one personal experience about so it just got to the point where I thought wouldn't it be good if I was able to recommend a whole group of of therapists that I did have first-hand experience of in terms of how they work their kind of personality you know that I could stand behind who I'm actually suggesting um because there's always that sense of when somebody goes for therapy they're they're investing not only their money but they're investing their vulnerability um, to go and sit in front of or log on to be with somebody and actually tell them they're, you know, let them into their innermost world. And it's a tough thing to do. And, you know, the sense is you want to get it right first time. It doesn't always happen that way, but we at least want to have the ingredients in place that sort of ups the odds of getting it right the first time. So that was my impetus behind actually building Prism Therapy Online. Well, I really want to get into therapy as a concept because I think we've come a long way in in this country um, as to minding our mental health and the power of of talking, not just to those around us, but to a professional. It's gone from being that thing the Americans do to being something that can really be a pillar of our health. But I do think we've a way to go. But before we get into that, can we talk a little bit about you and you have a very varied CV. I mean, I don't think it's that surprising that somebody would have many interests. We're all the very same, but as well as being a chartered occupational psychologist, as I mentioned in the intro, you're also bassist in the blizzard. So do you find music is a release for you for all the psychoanalysis you do in your everyday life? 
yes <laughs> is the short answer to that yes it absolutely is it's I would be quite <laughs> contrary to what it looks like at the moment I would be quite an introvert I would be quite inward um, and I get my energy from dropping back from the public or dropping back from socializing even that that would uh, whilst I, I love it and I value my friends and family it it takes the energy from me whereas some people would gain energy from that whereas it's kind of sliding back and kind of sinking into my inner world and writing music or you know composing music or arranging music and and even playing it because even though I'm performing with the band I'm in my own world you know in that space and that does actually give me energy it is how I recharge it's how I refuel for sure. Let's talk about therapy then a little bit I mean how does somebody know they need therapy or does everybody need therapy? Yeah that's a it's a great question for for lots of reasons and I'll start with the last part I actually believe anybody and everybody can benefit from therapy in to some degree now as I, I talk about it we've wherever you at in your wherever you are at in your life right now you've been through you know a, a sequence of events you've been around different types of people you've encountered different kinds of experiences in the context of either good relationships or bad relationships and all of these things leaves a taste in your mouth. All of these things colours your view of the world and colours your view of how you interact with other people, what you believe to be true about yourself and about others and actually how you speak to yourself, you know. And then we encounter patterns in our lives, whether it's in work, whether it's in our career or whether it's in our personal relationships. And you might find that you keep encountering the same patterns time and time again, you know, whether it's conflict or whether things kind of get going but then fail in relationships we all have our unique kind of pattern and I think what we don't look at we wait when we speak about therapy and when we speak about psychology we tend to think about crisis you know I'm not saying that of course you know that is a we need services that tend to crisis we absolutely 100% do but what I'm talking about in this instance is we all have space to learn about why we see the world the way we do and how we might be able to change that you know for the betterment of our lives and so that we can actually do what matters to us in our lives we're all searching to do something that matters to us and actually it is one of the best predictors of good mental health is having a purpose a sense of purpose in your life and if we don't have that we can fall off track and is that the role of our therapist then to help us pick apart those layers to find where the beginning was and is that why it works is there a an epiphany of of sorts that once you find it it heals it I think people find it hard to get their head around why it works because they don't really want to open those wounds they don't really want to delve back into any traumas or any hassles because we're very adaptables as humans aren't we we just shove it down and carry on <laughs> yeah and you know isn't it interesting interesting that we use the word you know you're not alone Claire we use the word adaptable to be able to shove it down and move on <laughs> when in actual fact that's repression you know and it's suppression and yes we can keep moving on but we, we keep pushing if you think of it like this we keep pushing anytime we push something down we're layering concrete up and up and up and that's that weight and that's that heaviness and that's that stuckness that we eventually feel. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Nobody wants, no, but nobody in their right mind, of course, you don't want to look at the thing that's causing you pain. You don't want to feel pain. And we have a society that is quite structured and curated around removing discomfort, actually. 
you know, I won't get into the, the societal and cultural aspects of that too much, but but we really do have a society that is is sort of evolved to avoid that. You know, people aim to feel comfortable, aim to remove anything that makes you feel uncomfortable, but that actually perpetuates disorder in and of itself. That kind of avoidance does. Whereas peeling it back, like you said, looking at it between looking at it right directly in the eyes it's so painful but life is built on suffering actually and life is built on becoming flexible enough to ride that out so that you can still do what matters to you there's no sense in pretending that the suffering doesn't exist we're living creatures we will encounter highs and we'll encounter lows and that's just a virtue of living it's just what it is but the more we open up to accept that actually and 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 stand into it and stay in the game, stay in the game and look at it and feel it, then you're not running anymore. You know, even addiction, all of these, you know, sort of diagnoses I put in air quotes that, you know, they, they all describe something. They all describe a way of avoiding pain in actual fact. And how does somebody know that their problems are big enough? People or some people can get their head around trauma, that if there was a childhood trauma or grief, that that mm. would warrant therapy, perhaps. But the things they consider the normal everyday ups and downs of life isn't enough to warrant a therapist. I think the question is how debilitating is your experience on a day-to-day basis? How much is it tripping you up? You know, how much of your headspace is taken up with sort of your attention and your focus on how anxious you are on a day-to-day basis? How much is it inhibiting you from being present with your children, with your boss, with your work, in your relationship with your friends? You know, how much of your headspace is obliterated by this difficulty or by this pain or by this suffering? You know, and okay, this can become so all-consuming that you can't even catch yourself sometimes to pull yourself out and realize you need help here. But how do you know what you need until it's sort of in front of you sometimes? You know, especially if you're not in the field, you know, if you're not linked to mental health in any way, it's so difficult to know, actually, I need to sort of (laughs) take my own hand here and lead myself into getting support. It's a very difficult thing to do. But I, you know, for anybody listening, I think, check, you know, how... How distracted are you in a given day or how much of what you're going through is actually inhibiting you from being present with the people that you love, you know, or the people that you work with? How much of it is distracting you away from the things that matter to you in your life? And if your answer is, you know, a significant amount or more than you're comfortable with, then it might be, then it might, you might be at a point of thinking, well, okay, maybe I need to get support here. Maybe I need to get a therapist. And it doesn't mean you're in it for the long haul. You know, it can be two to four to six sessions. Sometimes a person gets one session and sort of unlocks something in that, in, in that moment, you know, and realize where they may be tripping themselves up. But generally I would always say at least between four and six sessions, but you know, it can, some people go to therapy for two years or more to try and unlock, you know, old ways of behaving and open up new ways of actually engaging with the people in their life. How much better are we getting in closing the accessibility gap? Because I still think therapy is seen as a luxury. We don't look at it in the same way as we might look at physiotherapy for mm. a problem with the body. And, and I, I, I think it would be much better if we could get to a place where anybody at any time could access therapy. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's shifting a little bit. I think there's a bit of a way to go. Um, I always say that, you know, an investment in your mental health is the best investment that you'll ever make. And it's, again, it's, it's tapping into understanding who you are and why you think the way you do. And how can we actually, you know, how can we even show up in relationships fully if we don't really know who we are or if we don't really know why we do the things we do or what triggers us, you know, or what has us react in certain ways? It's fascinating to delve into the tapestry of your own life, you know, and and to understand even attachment, you know, how, what was it like in your own family growing up and how does that play out for you today? In, in all the ways, how does that play out for you today? So, you know, and, and I think having that stepwise approach to different kinds of therapy, which is on the platform we have, you know, you can text, you can start there and, and that's a lower price point and then work your way up if you want to have a longer video. And that's, again, we did it for the purpose of trying to make it as available and as accessible as possible. But, you know, I suppose state-wise, we did we need a different structure for how we actually take care of people's mental health it you know it it's we have a system that is broken and we you know continually ask for more funding for a system that's actually broken so we're in effect throwing money at something that isn't working anyway yeah. um when you so, think of people yeah. who make the brave step to ask for help yeah. and then they're put on a waiting list it just yeah. doesn't make any sense at all. Well, look, thank you for doing what you're doing. If people want to find out more, you can go to prismtherapyonline.com. Louise Carroll, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Claire. Thanks for having me. Coming up after the break, Owen Hamilton on the explosion in numbers on our hiking trails over the last two years. Alive and kicking on News Talk with Benelin Day and Night Tablets. 24-hour cold and flu relief. Always read the label. Ask your pharmacist for advice. You're welcome back to Alive and Kicking. Now, many of us have leaned in a little more to nature over the past two years and Ireland's hiking trails have become more popular than ever. Owen Hamilton runs Hiker, a trails advising app, and he's on the line now. Hello, Owen. Hey, Claire. How are you? I'm good. Do seasoned hikers get annoyed with the blow-ins that jumped on the bandwagon in the pandemic? <laughs> uh, do you know what? It's, it's, it's a really fantastic community and it's great to see it grow so rapidly over the last couple of years um yes you'll always get that in any community where to be the the stiff upper lip uh of of some people that will be like ah you're not real hikers you know get away from the hills but i suppose it comes from a place of of uh uh i suppose safety you know people just making sure that that, that people are safe that they're going out in the hills in the, r- the right way they're not coming out and, and hiking really difficult trails when they don't and they're not prepared and how do you prepare for a hike well i suppose in ireland it's it's really it's all about the weather um the the biggest the biggest danger in in ireland for uh, for hikers is the weather uh, it's so changeable it's so unpredictable um so really kind of preparing yourself in terms of the gear that you bring out making sure that you always making sure that you have a rain jacket i've gone out on hikes in the in the height of summer and all of a sudden, a cold rain comes out of nowhere. In fact, I actually put up a video last year, uh, late May, a blizzard uh, took place uh, over uh, Ticknock, over at the fer- uh, Fairy, Fairy Castle. 
and it was com- completely covered in snow. So you, Ireland is so unpredictable in terms of the weather. So you always want to make sure you have a raincoat. Make, uh, we're in the winter months at the moment, so always make sure you have layers, a base layer, a fleece, and maybe a down jacket and a rain a rain shell and and hiking boots, particularly at this time of the year as well, because you're going over very terrain, um, especially when you're going up into higher ground, you'll go over boggy land. So you want to, really want to protect your... Uh, your ankles really uh, because if you're stuck out in the middle of nowhere um, uh, you know and not in the right gear you have to call in mountain rescue and and that's that's it you know it's not a place where you want to be yeah because I think we often think don't get all the gear first because we do that sometimes don't we like we get the Mm. gym membership we get all the best gear the best new runners we spend a fortune and then we don't actually go so you kind of think just go get into the habit and then you can add to it along the way but I think you have to take something like hiking in one of the more full-on trails a bit more seriously yeah exactly like I suppose there's a there is a balance like uh you don't want to be going out and doing the you know the Bray to Greystones uh cliff walk which is apparently closed by uh, right now by the way um but there, there is you don't want to go out and do a trail in you know full gaiters boots rain jackets rain overalls uh that, that you would need on a more extreme hike uh, but you do want to wear something that's comfortable you don't want to go and do a hike up a mountain in a pair of jeans uh, you you kind of dress for the job if if you get what I mean. You want to make sure that you're prepared for that particular hike. My my advice is always yes, just get out there, wear something that's com- comfortable, prepare as best as you can. You don't need to go and buy the the trekking poles or all the expensive equipment immediately. But as you get more advanced or you start to to take on more uh, difficult trails, that's when you start investing a little bit more in the gear. And how much of an explosion do you think we're talking about over the last two years? Well, I suppose in Hiker, uh, we've looked at our stats uh, and we've seen a huge explosion just in our users. That is a little bit skewed because we're a new new company and we're seeing an explosion in our user base anyway. But uh, we do a survey every year of the uptake in hiking. And it, between 2020 and 2021, we've actually seen a surge of about 87% of people that uh, hike regularly. Um, and there's actually a further uh, explosion expected for 2022, where about 70% of the respondents are looking to hike even more. I mean, I'm probably a bit late in the conversation to even ask you this, but what is a hike? Like, what makes it different <laughs> from the Grey to Braystones walk, as we'd call it? It's 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 funny because this is a it's an ongoing debate. I actually run my own podcast where we constantly debate this: uh, what is a hike, and and what uh, what are all the, the new uh, terminologies uh, that that are the new words that uh, exist in the lexicon of hiking? Um, and a, a hike is is a walk a walk is a hike we does this um i suppose saying in the in the hiking world is a hike your own hike a hike can be whatever you want it to be like i i wouldn't go and say as far as to say you're walking down to the local shop is a hike but if you're going on something that is you know particularly strenuous or you know you're getting away from the busy world you're getting into the hills or you're just immersing yourself in nature that's that's a hike um, actually had a funny story from a, a, f- a friend of mine who was doing the Camino and he met a woman uh, in her mid 70s who was doing the Camino and she always thought that hiking was this sport 
that she never took part in in hiking because she always saw it as a sport. But then she went and did the Camino and realized it's it's just walking. It that's all it is. Uh, and and you could be walking up a mountain, you could be walking down a valley, you could be walking around a a, a reservoir. Um, it's 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 all really the same. And I do know from going a bit further afield to, to Wicklow, you have to be up early in the morning to get a spot in the car park. Yeah, yeah, particularly places like Glendalough and, um, you know, around Crone. And if you want to go up Jouse or go up to Powers Court or anything like that, it, 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 you definitely want to be an early bird. Um, but there are sections that are a little bit lesser known, like even in Glendalough, you know, there's there's areas around Glendalough that... Uh, up around the Wicklow Gap beside Tonlegee, there's a car park there, a very large car park that tends to be quite empty. Um, and you can go right up to the top of Tonlegee and overlook Loch Uller. Uh, you can go the other way as well and go up to Loch Firib, um, uh, which is one of the most remote uh, uh, locks in Wicklow. Uh, a little bit further down the road, you can get to Mulliclavine, which is uh, one of the highest points in Wicklow, which has the most re- remote lakes in Wicklow. Um, but then further afield, like down in, in Kerry, and if you're going any, anywhere else, there's the likes of uh, Glontinosig, uh, which is a f- absolutely spectacular uh, park that's that's managed by Quilcha, and they've got some amazing walks down there. There are some amazing hikes that are out there that nobody really knows about because the, really kind of Instagram has been the 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 catalyst to this explosion. Yeah, hashtag no filter. What should you bring on a hike? Because I think that's really important for people to know. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as I said earlier on, you're going into the winter months here at the moment. So you really want to focus on layers. You want to make sure that you're warm. Uh, Dress for the the hike itself. So if you're going on a long hike, you're going to be out there for a few hours. Make sure that you have uh, a base layer. Make sure you have a fleece or a down. um, Have a rain jacket. uh, Cover your head. Make sure you have a, a woolly hat your gloves, rain pants. But the, the, the main thing is having water and food. You want to always make sure that you have enough water and food for the, the time that you're going to be out there and maybe a little bit more just in case you're out for a little bit longer. Yeah, um, the layers are so important, aren't they? Because you do think, oh, it's freezing and then you start going uphill and you're sweating. So you need to be able to take off, wrap around mm-hmm. your waist, get higher, sit down, put back on. So you need mm-hmm. to keep chopping and changing and have those options. And Absolutely. a backpack to put things in and out of. Exactly. Yes, you want to have a, a backpack again, a size it for whatever uh, trail that you're doing. If you're going out for a short little walk, still bring a backpack because you want to have water and you want to have a little snack for yourself when you're out there. Um, but know your plan. That's uh, another key ingredient to this. Is just know what your plan is. Know where you're going, how far you're hiking. Um, if you're if you're going somewhere particularly remote, make sure you're sharing that information with your friends or family so that they know where you're going. Um, and obviously have a map and a compass or, you know, use a handy app like Hiker where you can actually follow and navigate on a particular trail uh, so that, you know, you know, and your friends know where you're going. Sarah Wilson is a big favorite of mine. She's an author and more recently an activist for climate change. And particularly mm. when she's talking about that, she's an avid hiker. And she says it's so important for us because not only does it get us away from the busyness of life, as you said, it connects us to nature, but it's also evidence-based to reduce our stress levels, to balance our left and right brain. So this is so much more than getting out and burning calories, isn't it? 
Absolutely. In the survey that I mentioned earlier on, where we uh, said about the, the surge of, of interest in hiking, one of the key reasons why people are getting out more is mental health. Uh, in fact, about 80% of people put the, the main reason uh, to, to get hiking more as uh, uh, mental health reasons. There is this uh, uh, the, the overview effect where it, it's kind of discovered by astronauts, if I'm <laughs> not mistaken, where you get this feeling of being removed from society, removed from civilization, even just going down to Wicklow and looking at nature and looking at the vastness of nature around you and the healing power of that is, uh, it is unparalleled. Yeah, I think it reminds us of the big problems and what we can do about them, but it also makes our problems seem a bit more insignificant when we realise how small we are compared to some of the vastness around us. Well, very interesting mm -hmm. talking to you. Where can people find out more? Yeah, you can go to hiker.com, uh, which is the website. With, uh, now, that's uh, uh, Silicon Valley Hiker. So it's H-I-I-K-E-R.com, uh, which is our website, or you can download the app. Uh, from ios or android and you can find us on all social media platforms as well just uh, search hiker hiker that's h-i-i-k-e-r is that the, the cooler way to do it is it that's the the <laughs> silicon valley way you said yeah the, like when you're making apps you, uh, you can't trademark the name hiker with one eye so we we just unfortunately had to add that extra eye and uh, for anyone googling uh hiker and you see the autocorrect that pops in i apologize in advance uh, but you'll find us that way anyway. <laughs> All right, Owen Hamilton, thank you so much for coming on. Claire, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Coming up after the break, why the Together Academy are looking to change the options available to young adults with Down syndrome in a truly inclusive society. Alive and kicking on News Talk with Benelin Day and Night Tablets. 24-hour cold and flu relief. Always read the label. Ask your pharmacist for advice. Together Academy is a young and innovative social enterprise that will provide tailored training and employment opportunities for adults with Down syndrome. It was set up by Therese Coveney and she joins me on the line now. Hello, Therese. How are you? Hi, Claire. How are you? I'm very excited to talk to you about this. When I saw it in the paper and I started to see it online, it's just such a beautiful idea and such a positive thing to do. Even the words Together Academy bring a warmness to the heart. Tell us a little bit about why you wanted to set it up. Um, thanks a million. Uh, I suppose um, we have a daughter who has Down syndrome. Her name is April and April is now 10. And we have two other uh, sons. And when April was born, we decided very quickly that we wanted her to have really as close um, to a, a life as her brothers. You know, um, albeit we knew at the time and it has proven since that she was going to need an awful lot of additional supports. Um, so for her early years, we um, I became introduced to the Down Syndrome Centre, and this project has come from the Down Syndrome Centre. I suppose I'm the founder of it, um, but um, I was first introduced to the wider Down Syndrome community at the Down Syndrome Centre, and I could see very quickly that she was getting all the therapeutic supports that she needed. Um, well, you never have enough, but she certainly was getting what we felt we needed at the time. She was doing her speech therapy and OT and physio and we were building a lot of friendships um, with other families. And then I went to a, a conference, a world uh, conference on Down syndrome um, over in Glasgow. And I came home from a really kind of shock because there seems to be an awful lot happening for children with Down syndrome, but um, really very little for adults. 
um, certainly in Europe, very little for adults. And it started to really bother me. And I did a bit of research in Ireland and realized that there was just a completely unacceptable statistic that 90% of adults with Down syndrome in Ireland are not in a paid job. Um, some do voluntary work, and that's fantastic. But the option for paid work seems to you know, have missed that community. Um, and I just was wondering why. So um, I spoke with a lot of different corporates and diversity and inclusion are very much on boardroom agendas nowadays. And people were very open to supporting somebody with Down syndrome into a job. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I felt I was kind of pushing an open door there and people understood that with the right supports, it would be a great asset to have somebody with DS on their, on their, on their team. But they were also saying to me that they were not coming across people with Down syndrome, that they weren't applying for jobs or the HR department weren't aware of anyone with Down syndrome, you know, looking for a job. So um, I then kind of assessed, well, what's going on for that community? And it really transpired that for many adults, they go into day services and um, there isn't a, a push for employment so that was really where the journey started. Um, you know, a bit of research, um, a bit of frustration, and then, okay, I'm not going to just give out about this. What can we do? So that's that's really where it started. Um, and I suppose then what I really needed to do was get some like-minded people around me to help me come up with a project plan. And I um, got some fantastic um, parents, um, Kathy, Adele, Laura, many others now, um, who kind of sat down at me and said, you know, we want to do something that will change the expectation of this community, and but we don't really want it rooted in charity. Um, and social enterprise is a big growing area in Ireland. And um, I applied to Social Entrepreneurs Ireland with this idea for a project to do something that would train young adults, give them certified training, and give them, I suppose, on-the-job work experience. Um, and I got into a kind of a mentoring program with Social Entrepreneurs Ireland. And really from there, things have taken off. Um, so in the last two years, we've set up what's called the Together Academy. And uh, we have made strong relationships with our education training board, um, who are funding a two-year culinary skills and employment project for us. And we then got funding through Pubble, Dormant Accounts Fund, for some pathways to employment coordinators. And our next big kind of nut we had to crack was getting a location. And I was approached by Wanderers Rugby Club. Um, they have a clubhouse uh, that is underutilized during the week. And um, I kind of made, they, they wanted to see could we find a way to utilize it. And um, I made the case that if we could renovate their billiards room, which was a effectively a stock room for the last 15, 20 years, into a classroom, and if we could utilize their um, bar, their function room upstairs, that we would be able to uh, change it into a pop-up cafe so that our young adults could do classroom-based learning in the morning and then come and... Um, kind of work in the cafe in the afternoon to reinforce their learning and wanderers um to their credit uh saw that this could be a great idea and uh, in september we opened our doors to 17 young adults with down syndrome who are currently and please god covid will allow uh, you know will not kind of jump in the way of us but we are currently on site and uh, working away it's been amazing Oh, it's amazing to hear, especially I loved that you said, I'm not going to just moan about this. What can I do about this? I think, as you say, we, we've come a long way with children with Down syndrome. Many of them are in mainstream schooling. So it's really funny how they just fall off at age 18. 
Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Now, actually, there's one thing there that I just um, to make listeners aware of. You, the young adults actually do get a disability payment. And um, I would argue to some extent it is like giving them a pension, you know, because what teenager, if they're handed 250 odd quid a week, is going to have, feel incentivized to go out and work? So there is a disability payment given. But I would argue that it and then there is obviously funding put into the local disability service to provide a service for the young adults. But I just think that the cohort of adults coming through nowadays, yes, they need huge additional supports. But as you say, many of them have been to mainstream school. Many of them want to work, have a job. And actually, to that point, we were due to open our cafe three weeks ago, four weeks ago, apologies, and um the COVID numbers were going up and I was getting a bit nervous because some of our young adults would have, uh, have a, you know, a compromised immunity. And we just decided to, instead of opening the cafe, to put that out into the new year and to set up a Christmas hamper business. And I cannot tell you how hard the guys are working. They are making vinaigrette dressings. They're making cranberry sauces. They are packaging up sweets. They have, deci- they have um, chosen the design and the messaging in the hampers. And, we could sell threefold what we decided to do. Our numbers were 520 and they are sold out. So, you know, and these guys, that is their business. They're getting 30% of the profits that we make from this business at Christmas. And they're all going to go home with a nice bit of cash in an envelope. Um, and they are so excited. That incentive is there. We told them, guys, you're going to get some payment. You're going to have to work really, really hard. Um, do your antigen testing. You know, And they are so committed. And, you know, we're only... What, 10 weeks into this program and we think we have young business people that we're working with they happen to have down syndrome but they're all very highly motivated so i i just feel the community are ready to work i feel the corporates and the wider community organizations are ready to hire the missing piece is the actual training and the external certification which is what the etb will be um supporting us through and i suppose uh you know philanthropists and large kind of social enterprises are really interested in a project that can be scaled. So that's why our partnership with Wanderers is um, so important and our partnership with the Education Training Board, because how I see this is that in every county in the country, there is a sports ground that is underutilized Monday to Friday, be it football, Gaelic, rugby, hockey. And if we can prove this pilot the ETB is a national higher education training body. So I would imagine, I mean, our intention certainly would be that we, we could scale this, um, whether it's going to be me or not, because it's so much work. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But if we can prove this model works, we can really drastically change the statistic um, of such high unemployment in these young adults. And it's social enterprise as well, isn't it? And there's so many Absolutely. people who want to get involved and so many parents like you've met who don't want their child with Down syndrome becoming a young adult and being underestimated in society and forgotten. Can we talk a little bit about Down syndrome then to educate people as to what it is and what they're capable of? Because, I mean, you said they get a disability payment. I mean, that's fantastic financial support, of course. And I think that's where taxpayers would like to think their money is going to help the more vulnerable in society. But it's the messaging around that, as you say. I mean, your tagline is we see ability and I way prefer that. Thank you. Um, 
yes, I'm very lucky. I've got some great people helping me with how we kind of present Together Academy. And um, it's really, really important to us that, you know, it's it's not that the young adults don't have to change. They do have to be trained. They do have to know how to present themselves to work. They do have to show up. They do have to study. But society needs to change also. And I think society is ready to change. Um, You know, an example would be when April was in junior school, I remember us profusely thanking the school for all the supports that they were giving her. And they stopped us in our tracks and said that we needed to understand what she gave to the school and the better problem solving techniques that the kids in her class would have and the increased empathy skills that the children that who surrounded her every day would have. And that was very much borne out and she had an exceptionally happy time in mainstream. Um, we've moved her this year to special ed, but it was an amazing experience and she went with her brothers. What we would argue is that as adults, the, you know, the Aprils who are in their 20s and 30s and 40s now have the exact same skills. They just need additional support and they need people to think differently in the workplace. And there's all sorts of ways you can do it. You can job carve a role so that it suits the abilities of the young adults. You can go in with a pathways to employment person who can support the business and the young person and iron out any challenges that are presenting themselves. But I suppose the biggest piece in all of this is that's all fantastic for the young adults and the individuals. But, you know, true inclusion, you know, it's people are not going to really value an adult with disability unless they can see them as to some extent their peer. You know, if you pick up your coffee in the morning on the way to work and you're served by a person with Down syndrome, you know that person, you feel a connection to them. Um, And I think people are very open to that. But the problem is at the moment they aren't making those connections because those young adults very often are not out and about and in society in the way that we feel they can be and they should be. But again, they need to be given the right supports to make that happen. And many of the disability services are excellent and do work at that. This is just a really strong additional push and maybe putting um, you know, the, high, the external certification through the ETB on it, I think, just gives it um, a different understanding for corporates when people come in that this job is not about charity. It's about seeing somebody as an equal who has earned their certificate and who has done their work experience. And that changes the dynamic and the relationship in the work context. Tell me a little bit about the hacker video, because that was very (laughs) powerful. And I think it showed the strength of your intention with this and and really caught everybody's attention, which I think was so magical. You're so right. I mean, that was, we are still dining out on the hacker and I think we will be for a long time. It it repositioned Together Academy in in a very meaningful way. That really came on the back of one of our young adults, Ben, who's a great young guy and a big, big Monster Rugby fan, huge Ronan Nagara fan. But anyway, he um, told us over the summer that his dream would be to go to New Zealand and do a hacker. And uh, anyway, we got very brave and put together a presentation and we sent it off to the IRFU and said is there any chance when the All Blacks are in Ireland that the Together Academy could do a hacker with them um, and I really did not expect it to to be able to be delivered um, but Philip Brown in the IRFU fair dues to him he could really see the value in it and he could see that it really did show diversity in sport and diversity in rugby and um, he, he, he pushed for it for us and it happened and it was Incredible. We had two days notice. We engaged with the uh, Maori community very, very quickly Wednesday, two weeks ago now, and found two amazing guys, Victor and Harley, who came to Wanderers and did some rehearsing with the lads. 
and told them about you know the importance of the hacker and what what it meant in Maori culture and gave us a, I suppose a greater respect and understanding for what we were going to do. And then we had great support from um, Elvery's and the bus company gave us everything free, togged the lads out and off we went up to UCD the day before the uh, All Blacks match against Ireland. And our guys did the hacker and they were superb and they really moved the All Blacks. Um, on the All Blacks team, the beautiful Barrett, uh, Barrett brothers, um, those fantastic um, men have a sister called Zara and Zara has Down syndrome. And um, I suppose that was our inspiration in asking the All Blacks um, to do, could we do the haka? But I mean, you know, this is what happens when you get a huge brand behind you. Uh, unknown to us, the All Blacks put out the haka and put out some information about it. And I think we've had 5 million hits on TikTok. We didn't even have a TikTok account at the time. I don't, still don't think we do. Um, we had 2 million uh, Twitter hits, likes. We've had 1.5 million on Facebook. And really contacts from people all over the world who are now watching what we're doing and who see this project as such a positive addition for young adults with Down syndrome. It's been remarkable for us and amazing. And we're so appreciative to the All Blacks and the IRFU for the support they gave us with it. It was amazing. Oh, I'm tearing up. It's oh, like it hearing about the background story. So and I don't amazing. know how much you believe in all this universe stuff that people talk about, but when you have a plan and you put something out there and you get a big resounding yes like that, mm. I mean, it's like a, a thumbs up that, what you're doing is the right thing I mean as if you needed that you're doing it for April and everybody like yeah. her and keep doing what you're doing and where can people find you Trace? People can find us on www.togetheracademy.ie and we have a really fantastic kind of Instagram account it's the same and Twitter um, we're only getting all of that going right now but we've got a lot to say and we project our young adults in the most positive light because they deserve that and because that's who they are. Trace Coveney from Together Academy. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Claire. So that's it for Alive and Kicking for this week. My thanks to my producer, John Fardy, and to Jojo Cordoza, who was on sound. And thanks also to Garrett Mulhall. Thanks to you as ever for listening. I will see you next week. Has your fuse box gone haywire? Is your water pressure too weak? Or maybe your boiler needs an upgrade. They don't last forever, you know. Well, the good news is that there's a local hero in Dublin for that. So if you're locked out on a Thursday and need a locksmith, take the hassle out of it with localheroes.ie. Our online service connects you with trusted tradespeople in your area and all work comes with a 12-month guarantee backed by Borgosh Energy. Try it out while listening to your podcast. You could get a quote in minutes at localheroes.ie. TNCs apply. Visit localheroes.ie for full details.